We're in a new series. We're in a new series uh, called When God Shows Up. Because the most important thing uh, for us to know is that God is true and he's available and he's real and he's with us and he's for us. And so we've been looking in the Old Testament. Last uh, week we looked at Genesis, how uh, God shows up in our doubts. And uh, this week we're going to look at how God shows up in our suffering. And the reason that we're looking at suffering is because suffering is something that you are bound to go through. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with Jesus all of your life. And it doesn't matter if you uh, don't want anything to do with Jesus. The common thing that we all share is that we will all suffer. Every one of us. And so I, wanna, I want us to get into the story. Now, um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do like a traditional Mom's Day uh, sermon where like, you know, we're going to speak about women and all that other stuff. We're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody ever heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah, he's like, yeah, if you, if you grew up, it's a pretty famous story, but here's the thing. Um, if, in the book of Daniel, there's this incredible chapter, it's chapter three, and it's really, really succinct. In fact, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, even though it's part of the story of Daniel, you can almost understand the entire story. I mean, there's some stuff that you have to get, and I'll explain it to you in chapter 2 and 1 and what's happening. But um, that chapter 3 is really pretty self-contained. It's, it's, it's the story of these men and how they endure suffering. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you and I come to Christ, we're told here in America that Suffering is not going to be a part of our lives. That suffering, if you come to Jesus, that you'll never have financial problems, you'll never, be, you'll never struggle, that if any suffering threatens your life, it'll immediately vanish, that if you get the cancer, if you get the cancer diagnosis, that you'll go back the next week and they'll go, oh my gosh, it's miraculously gone. And if the doctor uh, says, uh, this is inoperable, and you just and, and, and automatically you're healed. Everybody knows that if you're a Christian, nothing bad ever happens to you, right? No, it's crazy, isn't it? But yet that's the way we're taught here in America that to come to Christ means not to suffer. And I can't tell you how crazy that is. It's just all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you can't be called by God. You cannot follow Jesus. You cannot, you cannot be in a relationship with Jesus and not experience a profound sense of suffering. Now, the kind of suffering that we're going to talk about today is, let me see if I can uh, disqualify some suffering that we're not going to talk about today. Today, we're not going to talk about stupid suffering. Do you know what I mean when I say stupid suffering? It's the, it's the <laughs> that's so funny. Rob said, unfortunately. Yeah, it's true. Um, when I say stupid suffering, what I'm talking about is the suffering that we put ourselves through, the wisdom that we don't adhere to. Like, so has anybody here ever put themselves through stupid suffering? Who here? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's been a few of us, right? We've made silly decisions, right? You, you, you're driving down the... Can we lower this mic? This is killing me. Okay, thanks. Um, uh, we're driving down the highway of uh, life, and we're looking at the rearview mirror, and we go, what was I 
thinking? Like, you know, how did I, why did I date that guy? Why did I go down that road? Why did I think that it was smart to make this decision? And we just, so that's the kind of stupid suffering we're not going to talk about today. And we're not going to talk about today about prudent suffering. You know what prudent suffering is, right? You eat PB&Js so that you could save up to buy a house. But, you know, as a family, you scrape and you save your money, but, you know, you're, you're not allowed to buy, you don't allow yourself to buy these particular things because you're saving up for a house. That's prudent suffering. Or you wake up, God forbid, at 6 o'clock in the morning and you're doing the stair climber, right? And what are you doing, right? right? You're suffering. Nobody wants to do that, right? Nobody likes that. But you do it because you go, okay, there's a benefit in here. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be better off. This is prudent suffering. So there's stupid suffering. We're not talking about that. And then there's, there's prudent suffering. There's a bunch of other kinds of sufferings. Like, um, there's a bunch of other kinds of sufferings that we're not going to talk about. But we're not going to talk about those. The kind of suffering we're going to talk about today is the suffering that you inevitably go through while, while pursuing Jesus. That there's a suffering that you sign up for when you say, I'll be a follower of Christ. That's the kind of suffering we're talking about today. Now, let me tell you this story. Let me catch you up to where we are with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not going to, by the way, usually we stand up for the reading of God's word. This time we're not going to. So go ahead. You guys, I love that. Oh, my two people. Yes, yes, I love you guys. Okay, we're not going to do that this time. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to go right into it, and then we're going to give the moms an opportunity for them to eat and enjoy. And it's crazy. What do we, what do we have for dinner? I mean, for lunch. It's... Roasted prime rib, garlic mashed potatoes, and sautéed asparagus, right? Isn't that great? That's fantastic. Again, again, men, don't even hope for bagels, okay? This is only for the moms, okay? Sautéed asparagus, that's awesome. Okay, so I better be quick. All right, so, so what happens is, is that there are God's people. And God's people have the worst thing that you can possibly have happen to you. They get conquered by another people. They get devastated. They get destroyed. They get uh, torn apart. Their women are raped. Their men are murdered. And their um, artisans and professionals get carried away into what's called exile to this place called Babylon. It's unbelievable. As they get carried away, what, these, uh, what this uh, Babylonian emperor does, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, what he does is he uh, takes the best of the city, the professionals, and what he does is he tries to assimilate them, right? Any Puerto Ricans here who don't speak uh, any Spanish or not much Spanish? Okay, right, right, right. You've been assimilated, right? Because you, you're getting into the culture, right? And so you forget the language, you forget the culture, you forget it. It all gets left behind. Well, that's what this emperor did. And so he did that with the smartest people so that he could benefit from their intelligence, but that everybody would be a part of this one culture. And this culture was really interesting in that they worshipped lots of different gods, Lots of different gods. In other words, in that culture, it wouldn't be far gone to hear someone say, yo, you believe what you believe. I'll believe 
what I believe, but don't force your beliefs on me, right? Let everybody, hey, listen, let everybody believe what they want to believe. If it's not harming anyone, you should be able to believe it. That's the kind of culture that they were in. And so that, that statement wouldn't be a shock to anybody. Everybody can worship the way they want to worship. Anybody can do what they want to do, so long as they're not hurting anyone else. So, Nebuchadnezzar, um, he gathers these guys together, and then certain guys start raising up through the ranks. A guy by the name of Daniel, which you might have heard, heard of, um, and another, another three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're from, they're from uh, Jew, uh, Israel, and so they're the ones uh, God has chosen. They're right, raising up in the ranks. At this point, Nebuchadnezzar decides to create a statue. This statue is mammoth. It's, it's unbelievable. It's nine feet wide and 90 feet tall. Nine feet wide. I'm not sure this building is 90 feet tall. It's massive. And so uh, he says, when this happens, when the musicians, and he goes through all sorts of, the text goes through all sorts of pains to tell us it's the flutes, it's the lyres, it's, the, it's, it's all these different instruments. And the text goes through all sorts of pain to say, and the, the governors and the satraps and all these guys, all the important people are around. When they hear the music, they're to bow down to the statue. Now, it's important that they don't have to worship. They just have to bow down. You could worship the way you want at home. In, a, in, in that kind of society, hey, listen, you could believe what you want to believe, but just don't bring it to the marketplace. You could be a follower of the one true God, but hey, don't bring it into the marketplace. Don't bring it into your politics. Don't bring it into your, no, 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 no. We can't have that. You can only have that personally. Don't try to share it with others. That's the society that they lived in. And then he says, Everybody who hears the music, sees the statue, bow down. But there are three guys. Three guys who say, no, you're asking too much. We'll work, and they're doing. They're doing what the book of Jeremiah says. The book of Jeremiah says, seek the blessing of the city. They're doing it. And they're serving, and they're helping, and they're being good with whatever they're doing. But this they say, this we can't do. There's one God. And we don't worship. We don't bow down to. We don't honor. We don't do that. It's just one God. And, and you can imagine their friends going, dude, don't be ridiculous. Just bow down. Bend your knees. If you just bend your knees, it won't mean anything. Just bow down. And they go, no. We can't do it. Well, there's some jealous people around who tell the king that these guys, and they weren't trying to make a fuss neither. They weren't trying to like be all overt and all crazy. They weren't, they weren't looking for a fight. They were just trying to honor their God. And a couple of jealous guys go up to the king and says, yo, didn't you make that rule? Yeah, I made that rule. You know there's three cats who didn't do it. You're kidding. 
Who are they? It's the Jewish kids. No kidding. Yeah, man. Then we catch up with our heroes at that point. They come up to the king, and the king says, listen, if you bow down, it's all right. All will be forgiven. If you don't bow down, you're going to die. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to put you in the fire. Now, I don't know what kind of pressures you experience as a follower of Christ, but I promise it's not this, right? Like, you, you might not be, like, it, you might not be affirmed in where you teach. You might not be celebrated where you work, but I promise you, it's not this level of, of animosity. They go, they honor the king, they, they speak respectfully, they say, man, we can't, we just can't do this. We can't do this. The king blows his top, and that's where we catch up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, look up here. I actually got a pointer this time because I wanted to show you this. This, right here, here we go. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Listen, listen. This is the question. Whenever you stand for Christ, this is the underlying question that's coming against you. Who can save you? Who can spare you from what is to come from those who oppose Christ? From those who oppose you? Who can save you? Who can save you from me firing you? Who can save you from me not letting you get this apartment? Who can save you from me not promoting you? Who can save you? Who can save you? This is the underlying question that everybody has to answer when you're standing for Christ. Who will save you? And I'm telling you, listen, if you can answer this question deeply, believingly, trustingly, if you can answer this question, you'll be fireproof on the inside long before you have to be fireproof on the outside. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Pause. When we read this, we go, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, stand up to the man, right? Tell him about your God. Proclaim Christ, right? Let me tell you something. The next sentence is money, though. Because, and we'll get to it. Listen, watch this. 
The next word in the sentence is unbelievable. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is a, verse 18. But even if he does not. Now, look up at me. Even if he does not. Even if he does not. The, in the Hebrew, the, it, it actually is, but if not. See, the believer always recognizes that God is not subject to their preferred outcome. In other words, God is not submitting himself to me. I submit myself to God. That if you are a Christ follower, when people, this is why it's absurd when people come up to you and go, man, you got cancer, you're suffering like this. Aren't you a Christian? Do you hear what they're saying? They're saying, if you're in Christ, you shouldn't suffer. If you're in Christ, God shouldn't let you go through this. If you're in Christ, you should not have to deal with a wayward child or a, a body that's falling apart or a relapse or whatever you deal with. That if you're in Christ, that somehow you're somehow liberated from that. And I'm telling you, that is not what the Bible teaches. These men trusted their God. They didn't trust what was going to happen in the future. They trusted their God. They didn't trust that they knew better than God what should happen next. They trusted God. They trusted God knowing that it could mean the end of their lives. Trusting God, knowing that in the end it could be disaster. This is what we mean about suffering with or suffering in Christ. Because here's what you have to know. If you're a Christian, and by the way, if you're not a Christian, this is such an important sermon for you to listen to because you can at least understand how Christians deal with something that affects everybody in this world. And also, if you're not in Christ, this is an important sermon for you to listen to because you can actually appreciate and make a decision about whether you want to join us in serving Christ, even though it means that you will suffer. And suffer in unique ways that nobody else has to. Here's what you need to know. When you're serving Christ and following Christ and suffering comes, God will not save you from your suffering. He'll save you through your suffering. There's a difference, guys. God will not save you from every pain and every temptation and every difficulty that you go through. God, God promises. He says, in this life, you will suffer. He promises that you will. It's a, there's a promise you can attribute from God. We, we like to quote all sorts of promises from God. That's one that we need to internalize. You will suffer. God will not save you from your suffering, but through your suffering. But... Even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty. Remember, they're speaking respectfully. They're speaking humbly. They're not, you know, they're not moving their neck around. They're not, they're speaking respectfully and humbly. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
and his attitude toward them changed, I bet. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The, king command, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Let me just make an aside here, and this is not part of the notes really. I just need you to know that when you don't follow God, do the best you can. When you do, these men obeyed orders against the God of the universe, the, the soldiers I'm speaking of. And it cost them their lives. Because the, listen to me, the king that you serve, and we all serve something, will lead us to death or to life. And so I just want to warn you that if, it, it, there's no neutrality here. There's no, there's no chill. I'm just, you know what? I'm just not that down with Jesus. It's all right. Relax. I'm just, listen, beloved, the master that you serve, and you don't have to call him Jesus. We can call him you. The master that you serve will eventually lead you someplace. And it makes pretty obvious that these guys, strongest of the strong, fearless of the fearless, bad men, Follow their master to their death. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. I bet. I bet. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who, um, who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. And that's the way the story ends. Isn't that powerful? Let's see what we can learn from this. Okay, here's the first thing. All right. First thing that we learn from this story is number one, suffering is inevitable. Let's do this quick, okay? Suffering is inevitable. You are going to suffer. There is no way that you're not. You're going to suffer in your marriage. They're going to suffer with your kids. You're going to suffer in your health. You're going to suffer in all that stuff. And when you stand for Christ, I'm telling you, when you stand for Christ and pursue Jesus, your kids are going to compare you to other parents who don't stand for Christ. I know, for instance, um, and uh, man, I've prayed about this. One of the decisions I made in my house, right, is that my kids, they don't sleep over anybody's house. It turns out that if you let your kids, that most of the kids who have experienced um, uh, um, 
any type of like, um, like uh, touching and molestation and things like that happens at sleepovers and things like that. So I decided, nah, not going to let my kids do it. All sorts of pushback from that. All sorts of pushback. Not only from my kids, but from others. And I said, no, I think Jesus has led me um, to do this for my kids. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be a little offensive than harm my children, right? It's just, now, Jesus might not lead you that way. I'm not mad at that. I'm just saying the way Jesus has led me. And so I, I, I do that. And that, man, so much pushback. But listen to me. That's going to happen. Man, the way, what we believe in the scriptures will be contested so much, so much, when you just walk around and just, you just believe fundamental things that the Bible says, it'll come up. And, and the, the natural thing will be, no, man, your belief is your belief, my belief, let's not let it commingle. It's okay. Listen to me. What we're saying here is that the scriptures, the scriptures are true, and God is true. And even if it means I get embarrassed, even if it means I get mocked, I remember in my, uh, when I, was at, I had a secular job and guys would um, leave because if, if you've never been in a guy's locker room, uh, ladies, you, you've, not, you've not missed anything, trust me, because it's, it's pretty terrible. So um, in the guy's locker room that I was in, um, they always had these pornographic magazines, always had these pornographic magazines. And I, and I would say, guys, please, don't leave this stuff out. I struggle with it myself. I don't need any more temptation. Plenty of temptation everywhere else. Don't need it here. And so I was super, I was super respectful, very respectful. I said, guys, if you forget and you leave it out, I'm going to remember to throw it away. Okay, so I'm just going to do that. Now, I hope that doesn't lead anywhere. I'm not trying to be a tough guy. I'm just saying, hey, man, could we, could we just respect one another? And I'm telling you, man, that didn't make for a happy place to be for me. But it's just like, you know what, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I just start submitting to Nebuchadnezzar's desires, where I bow down to pornography or I bow down. To, it's just I didn't want to do that. And so, so first thing, if you live for Christ, suffering is going to happen. Suffering is inevitable. That's the first thing that you need to know. The second thing that you need to know is that suffering reveals our faith. Now, this is important, super important. The reason that this is important is because you have a faith. Even if you're here and you say, I don't believe in anything, I'm telling you, you believe in something. You believe in yourself. You believe in your abilities. You believe in karma. You believe in something. Even if you say, yo, yo, I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in anything. I'm telling you, you have a belief system. Uh, something that you, and what is faith? Faith is believing in something that you can't necessarily prove in the moment, right? I believe I'll make it through here. Well, that's a faith. That's a faith. You believe that you can make it in the moment. That's what faith is. Okay. So faith shows what your faith is. I mean, um, uh, suffering shows you what your faith is. You go, what do you mean? Well, Many times I've been around, uh, right, I've been in Christian environments for a long time, and here's what happens. So I, inevitably, I see somebody who's been coming to the congregation, hanging out with the church, connecting with us, and they're growing and they're doing well, and they're going, and they say this. They go, I haven't seen them in like three months, maybe three years. And I go, where have you been? How are you doing? 
I've missed you. What's going on? And they go, man, I don't believe in that Christian stuff no more. Really? Tell me why. Well, here's the reason why. Because I believed in Jesus, and I brought my husband to church, and he still cheated on me, and he still left me. Or, I believed in Jesus, and I brought my kids, and they were supposed to get better, and they still smoked crack. Or, I went to Jesus, and I begged him to get me clean. I just wanted to be free from the alcohol. And, he still, and I still relapsed. What's the use? What's the good of it? Let me tell you something. Suffering produces, or suffering doesn't produce your faith, it reveals your faith. See, the person who says, I brought my marriage to Christ and Christ didn't fix it, what they're saying is, is that they wanted God to submit to them. God, if you're God, you're going to do what I say do. God, you're going to submit. This is not me submitting to you. This is not me understanding that whatever suffering comes my way, that God can walk through. This is not me going, God, suffering you won't keep me from suffering, but you'll save me through suffering. That even in suffering, you'll draw me to yourself is what I mean. That's not that you're saying, no, 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 God, if you don't do it the way I want you to do it, I'm not down with you. It's just revealing it. So, so I wanted to illustrate this, right? So I, um, uh, Chris, who loves me, he bought this. Um, has anybody ever seen this advertisement on the train? It's Quip. It's like the little... Uh, it's all it is. They're, they're geniuses because they're making so much money. Because all it is is honestly, it's it's average toothpaste and an average toothbrush, but it's like super cool because it's like silvery looking and all that other stuff. But it costs you like twenty dollars, and then you have to order the toothpaste and it like comes to you. It's pretty cool, right? And so it's it's super. This says two weeks. This will last me three months because I just use little pinches of it. And um, and so so this is all right. So this is Quip toothpaste, right? And I've never opened it. In fact, if I open it now. It still has the seal on it, right? Okay. If I pop open the seal and I squeeze this as hard as I can, what's going to come out? Anybody know? Why? It's the advertisement, right? So you see what's in the toothpaste. What's out here should be what's inside, yes? Okay. Not so with Christians. Listen to me. Suffering reveals. When the pressure comes on in your life, what's supposed to pour out is trusting that God will be with you through the suffering. Not that, he won't not that he'll take it from you, but that he'll be with you through the suffering. And that turning your back on him is not proof of his infidelity towards you, but rather proof of your infidelity towards... Ah, you're not following me. Listen to me. Listen to me. That when you and I go through suffering, it reveals who you were really bowing down to. God, I will serve you so long as you make this relationship work. God, I'll serve you so long as you heal my body. God, I'll serve you so long as you bring her back. God, I'll serve you so long as the kids go well. God, I'll serve you so long. Beloved, beloved, you are revealing in your suffering something that you did not know before. And that's you. If you've gone through suffering and turned your back on God, meaning that you never had your heart turned towards God, then you have an opportunity right now to turn your heart towards God and go, God, here's the truth about me. I don't believe you. 
I don't love you. I, w- I don't want you to be God. I want to be God in your life, and I want you to submit to my will. You can confess that now and, and receive him. Now, let me, let me tell you how we resist this particular truth. I, I just wanted to... Um, so how do we resist this truth that suffering reveals our faith? Here's the first thing. Uh, we confuse our preferred outcomes with God's will. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard somebody say, um, oh no, I got faith that my man will come back to me. Or I got faith that the doctor will tell me a good report. Or I got faith that we'll get out of this in no time. In fact, you hear this all the time. Yo, 2020, 2019 was terrible. But 2020, that's going to be my year. I got faith that that's going to be my year. Beloved, that's not faith. That's, that's hope in your preferred circumstances. That's not, that's not Christian faith. We confuse. The re- Listen, suffering reveals something. And the reason we resist this truth that suffering reveals is that we confuse our preferred outcomes with God's will. Secondly, we confuse ambition for faith. In other words, in other words, if God is real, he's going to help me accomplish this. If God is true, he's going to help me. No. This is a lie. You, you experience this, right? Like, you know, you go for the promotion and, and you've been doing everything right and then it all falls apart and somebody goes, where's your God now? Like, your God, you know, if you're married to an unbeliever, they go, where's your God now? Oh, man, listen to me. My God is with me in the demotion. My God is with me in the jail cell. My God is with me on the bed of affliction. My God is with me. He's for me. We confuse ambition for faith. We, we run from God or trade him for something else when he doesn't submit to us. So how do we resist this truth that faith, uh, suffering reveals our faith? We run from God or trade him in for something else. You know, you've done that before, right? Jesus, I love you. Would you just, I love you, I love you, I love you. You're the best. Give me peace. He doesn't give you the peace that you ask for. Well, she'll do. He'll do. You know what? I have this goal of being this director, this great director of films. He'll do it, and then when it all falls down, it's like, wait, what? I I just, I trade God in for the the thing that I want. If God, you're not going to do it, I'll be a Muslim or a Buddhist. I'll just believe in principles and not believe in any God at all. We, tra- we run from God or trade him for something else when he doesn't submit to us. Lastly, we put God in our debt. And this is, oh man, this is so important for my heart to hear. We put God in our debt by being good so that he owes us our preferred outcome. Here's what I mean by this. This is the argument that says, my, right, you just saw one of my sons. Um, I have two sons. I have three daughters. I got five kids, right? One of my sons, my, the, my son was in the middle. And it was funny. He was looking at the paper. He can't read. He's six years old, which is really funny. But he was looking at the paper, which is really cute. And so he had his little 1 Corinthians 13, 13 memorized. And so he was, he was here. 
And if that kid, I mean, I'm telling you, man, when you're seeing that kid, you're seeing my heart, man. That kid is my heart. And if that kid falls on a bed of affliction, there's no way, I mean, you couldn't, there's nothing you could do to me. You could, you could have a car hit me that takes my legs. You could give me a valve problem with my heart that I, I think I'm going to die any second. You could give me chronic headaches. Nothing you could do to me. Nothing, nothing, nothing you could do to me like hurting that boy. You just, you just couldn't do anything. So that's an emotional thing, right? It's an emotional thing, right? So now I'm a pastor and I serve the poor and I do for the oppressed and I go to God with my good deeds and my argument is you owe me. You owe me for this kid to walk off of this bed of affliction because of the good that I've done. Look, I've been clean all these years. Look, I haven't watched that in so many years. Look, I haven't done that in so many years. In other words, my goodness is like judo to God, right? So I bring my, my goodness to God, and God says, no, 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 you have to submit to me. And I go, what? No, uh-uh. It's a judo move. I, no, you got you to gotta submit to me. My goodness is the reason why I should not have to suffer. Beloved. Beloved. It's a lie, and it's a mistake. We put God in our debt by being good so that he owes us our preferred outcome. Last point. So the first point, this was just some sub-points that I wrote down. I was like, oh, man, this is probably something we should all um, um, talk about. But the first point is suffering is inevitable. The second point is suffering reveals our faith. The third point is that suffering also reveals our Savior. Suffering reveals our Savior. Did you hear what Nebuchadnezzar said? He goes, Ai Chihuahua. <laughs> Didn't we throw three guys in there? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, we threw three guys in there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's four. I mean, the three guys are walking around. But there's four of them. Listen to me. Listen to me. You can live your life fireproof if you just get this point. If you realize that the one who's walking in the fire with them is the one who walked the fire for them on the cross. And that if he did it for this incredible thing called salvation, meaning our eternity is forever changed. You see, when, when the Bible describes hell, it can't describe hell in worse terms it tries to describe when the bible tries to describe hell it's, it's like the bible almost says huh how can i say this so people understand how bad this place really is so that they don't want to go there right how can i say it? it's, it's almost like the bible says that right and it goes oh yeah yeah it's like being burned alive forever it's like that bad that's how bad hell is it's like being burned alive forever jesus takes your sin he takes my sin and he goes to the cross and he experiences the fires of hell forever so that you and I could walk through the fires of life. He experiences the fires of hell for us. The real fire of hell. The main fire of hell. The greatest fire of hell. 
so that you and I could experience our little fires of hell with comfort knowing that he's with us. He experiences the fire for real so that we can experience the little fires. No matter how bad your suffering is, they're little fires in comparison to what Jesus... If you take your mind and think on that and think on that and think that if he went through all of that for you, that he'll go through that with you, if you think on that, it'll make you fireproof. You'll recognize that Jesus doesn't save you from the suffering, but he saves you through your suffering. That he walks and grows your faith in the midst of suffering. That he follows you and is with you and comforts you in the midst of your darkest moment, no matter what that moment is. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Jesus faced death for real so that you and I could go through the shadow of death. And you've heard me say this before, but let me ask you this, right? Would you rather get hit by a truck or a shadow of a truck? Shadow of a truck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, would you rather be hit by death or the shadow of death? You and I could be hit by the shadow of death because Jesus was hit by the truck of death. Do you understand that where is God? Where is God when our suffering happens? He's with us. When the child is suffering on the bed, he's suffering with the child. When, we are, when our hearts are broken because our children have gone wayward, he is with us in the suffering. When we don't know how we're going to get through, we remember that he is with us in the getting through. We can trust him for our salvation. Amen. Beloved, could you imagine if you lived that way? Could you imagine if you actually took that seriously? What would your life be like? What would your life be like if you, in fact, took that seriously? What would it be like? Singles. What would it be like? You know what? You could go through your suffering. Ladies, you could go through your suffering and go, I don't have to compromise my morals to this guy. Because I trust that Jesus is going to walk with me during the suffering of my singleness. Spouses who are going through a really tough time in your marriage. You don't have to go, I'm going to go outside of my marriage. I'm going I'm to, you know, the pressure is too great. I'm going to dip into this or whatever. You can say, no, 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 no. Jesus is going to walk through. I'm not going to run to anything else to save me from this. I'm going to run to Jesus. And he's going to walk with me through the suffering. And in doing so, we will experience salvation that's deeper, more profound than we ever imagined. He's with you. He's for you. And if you don't know him, run to him even now. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this moment where we get to be reminded that your word is true. And that you don't promise to save us from suffering. But that you promise to be with us through suffering. Lord, I pray that you would move deeply in our hearts to believe that. That through this week, whether our suffering is whatever it is, standing up for you at school, 
not submitting to the pressures of our peers, even being married to an unbelieving spouse. Lord, that you would, we would be encouraged that you're walking with us through that marriage, through that school, through that peer pressure. Remind us, Lord, that when you show up, it's only because you've already shown up. And that if you've shown up in the biggest way in our lives, by saving us from sin, death, and hell, we can trust you in the smaller things in life. Draw us to yourself to believe that. Help us to reflect on that until it becomes real, until we become fireproof on the outside and even eventually fireproof. So Lord, move deeply in our souls to believe your word. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.